Welcome to the We Go Places podcast, where we catch up with We Go grads who share with us the story of the journey to their unique careers. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at We Go since 2001, and you just heard intro music from Andy Georgieff, class of 2022. Today, I catch up with Captain Annette Melcher, formerly Eichenberger, from the class of 2010. Captain Melcher is a hospital administrator for the Medical Service Corps for the United States Air Force, stationed in San Antonio, Texas. As some may remember, Annette was a state champion for WeGo, running the 800-meter race, and she continued her running career for the Air Force Academy and even earned her way into Olympic training for the summer of 2020 Olympics. Today, Captain Melcher will share with us what it's like to train at elite levels of competition and intend and serve in the Air Force Academy. On a side note, I apologize for the feedback in this interview as we were not able to sort out the issue during the recording. Enjoy. Joining us today from the class of 2010 is Annette Melcher, formerly Eichenberger. Annette, tell us what you do. I am currently a hospital administrator at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. I recently ended a very long running career. I was training for the 2020 Olympics that were postponed. Um, So that was a three-year stint. And then I had done two years prior to that. And right right after I graduated from the Air Force Academy in 2014. Running has been, you know, a, a really incredibly important part of your life, and I would have to add that you were one of uh, WeGo's state champions. Can you uh, kind of remind everyone what you were a state champion in while you were uh, at WeGo? Yes, so I was a 800 meter state champion. I ran a 2:12 when I was in high school. And then I ran at the Air Force Academy. I also have a school record at the Air Force Academy, 204. And then my personal best is 202. And that time got me to the 2016 Olympic trials. Let's, there's so much to even talk about, like the, the training part of that before we get into all the cool stuff of what you do at, at the Air Force. If I could just kind of take it back a little bit, when did you, uh, when did you know that you had a, a particular talent and mindset to, to run? Like when, when did all of a sudden did, did you say like, wait a second, I think I can, I can make the leap. Do you remember when that switch uh, clicked for you? Yes, it started when I did summer track with Coach Boatwright, and 
he would always push me to my limits and I just kept improving. Um, so ever since my, I think it was the summer after my freshman year in high school, it just took off from there. Now you, you ran so well, uh, at, at WeGo and, uh, just to kind of like put the, the memory, uh, back for everyone. Uh, like, so when you get invited to go down to state, um, do you remember anything about the day that you won and the, 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 that, that, uh, that particular race? Uh, cause I would imagine that's gotta be like absolutely burned in your memory. Yes. So I will never forget after I came around the first lap, I I don't really remember what position I was in, but I just remember getting kind of like angry. And I was like, you know what? I did not come this far um, to not give this my best. And I just remember taking off and it just, just kept going and to the point where I, I collapsed at the finish line, so I know I gave it my all that day. And there was one, actually, my summer track teammates who I had never beaten in a race or even come close to beating in a race, and that was my first time beating her as well. And, of course, that picture, I think it's even still up at Vigo. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> also in my parents' house, so. Part of that too is like, you know, as you said that you were rounding the corner, that relationship between the mind and body to kind of get you, your mind is doing one thing, but the body probably has other ideas. Like how, how are you able to make that kind of, uh, it respond in, in such a way? Because, you know, there is a Cartesian kind of element of kind of, of, of those things being separate, but you have to will your body to do this next thing, to take it to that next elite moment. Um, I mean, how, how did you make that happen? So it's a weird sensation of almost turning your brain off in a way and where you just go back to basics and I mean my coach you saw us say this, he would say ain't nothing working but your arms and your legs and that would be his, his cue to just focus on the motions and not what your brain is trying to tell you that you can't do so you win state at WeGo, and you know I was wondering then how do you then um, how did you know that you wanted to uh, go to the Air Force? There must have been uh, opportunities to run at many places. What was it about the Air Force that kind of made you think that that was going to be the, the best opportunity for you? There was an opportunity to do summer seminar. And I was actually going to do summer seminar at the Naval Academy, but something with my schedule conflicted. And I ended up going to the Air Force Academy summer seminar because my cousin had done a summer seminar and enjoyed it. And he actually went to the Air Force Academy as well. Um, so that was kind of where that journey started. And then I was recruited by my coach, who pretty much was my coach throughout my most of my career. So when you commit to Air Force, when you go into the armed forces, 
that's got to be, I mean, it's different than going to like U of I or any other kind of state school in college and all that. How would you, what are like some of the most, the, the initial differences that you could describe when you go into the armed forces? The Air Force, you not only have to meet all these medical standards, but it's physical, it's five-year commitment even after you're done with school and they're in charge of every aspect of your life. Um, you get a couple weeks off a year to go home or whatnot, but your life is military. And in my case, the military press plus running. The air force Academy is in Colorado Springs. And I, I would imagine that the change in elevation probably had its own initial challenges. What was that acclimation like? It was very difficult. Um, it took, especially with running, my first year running was pretty much a wash. And that's with almost everyone who competes there. It just takes a really long time to get used to altitude. It's very hard. Is it just time that kind of allows you to kind of push through running at that altitude or I mean, are there any other kind of like tricks that kind of uh, make the process go a little bit quicker? Oh, I wish there was a trick. (laughs) Really, it's just kind of getting your lungs and blood used to not having as as much oxygen. Does that, does, does that give an immediate advantage over who you compete against uh, because you're training uh, at that level, like w- when you have to like maybe go to other uh, competitions? Definitely. Well, it depends on the distance as well. So 800 is actually more anaerobic than aerobics. So it's not as much of a benefit, but anything over the 800, you definitely see benefit. And I I would say that attributes to a lot of the success that the Air Force Academy team has at a high level is because of altitude training. What were some of the cool places that you were able to compete? Like, so you, in the the conference that you're in, do you you run against the other uh, armed forces or are you in a particular uh, conference? Yes. So when I was there. It was the Mountain West Conference. It changed a little bit recently. So we used to compete against um, BYU, TCU, New Mexico, kind of all the places around Colorado. But once I graduated and was in the world-class athlete program, I ran all over the world. I ran in Belgium, Finland, South Korea, um, China, and there's, I mean, all over the U.S. When did you know that you can then make the next leap to then start training at the uh, Olympic level? So I learned about the World Class Athlete Program when I was a sophomore at the academy. And really it was the people that were older than me on the team guided me and kind of put me on the path to getting to the next level. And my coach, she had athletes that were post-collegiates who would train with us. 
Um, so I would always be pushing myself to try to stay up with them. When you start that type of training, like what, how much more difficult is it in terms of like the types of workouts when you, so, I mean, you, so it was tough at high school. Then you go to a college level, then Olympic level that, that is, uh, I'm wondering what is the gap uh, in terms of effort and diet and, and, and time commitment to, uh, to get your body ready for and mind ready for uh, that, that's that next task. I would say the biggest difference through each leap was mentality and how much it consumed my life. So yes, I would say by the end, I mean, it was, I lived, breathed, sweat, running. Um, Everything that I did either kind of helped it or not helped it and the mental aspect of it was the hardest because every time you get knocked down, it's just how can you come back from that? And, and, you know, you mentioned that you went from a 204 to a, to the 202 and, and like, it's amazing that, that in two seconds, it's, such an incredible margin of error where that amount of time really makes a, a big difference of how you can kind of start shaving off uh, that amount of time. When do you, when do you get a sense of like, I, that you make a, a significant leap, even though it may not seem like it when it's only talking about two seconds, what are, how do you know when you're making those types of gains as an athlete, especially when the margins are so, uh, 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 have the appearance of being so negligible? Uh, it's more the big picture. So I was always having to do cross country, even though it was not my favorite thing. Um, but the better my cross country seasons went and built into track season, I, I would notice big changes. But everything revolved around my threshold runs, track workouts, and um, long runs. So if overall those three categories were increasing and, and doing well, that's usually when I could tell that I was going to have a breakthrough. Now, you said that you were you were training, and then the, the, the bad news was, of course, that COVID hits, and that was something that really derailed the opportunity uh, to go to China uh, and and compete uh, at the Olympics there. Um, what was uh, what was you said you you got to at least travel the world in a lot of uh, uh, other different events. What was your what was your favorite place to travel to when you were able to go internationally and compete? Really enjoyed South Korea. It was stunning just the scenery the people um it was just a really cool unique experience ah, that's that's so neat that's so neat so now you now so then how how were you able to balance your training for 
the Olympics and everything that happened after your collegiate career and continue with this to then what was then the commitments that the Air Force gave you and what you were uh, expected to do uh, for them as well? So in between my two WCAP uh, assignments, I was a space operator. So I worked with the GPS satellites out at two SOPs, um, Schriever, which is about, it's like east of the Air Force Academy. And it took a lot of support just all around from the athletic facility people, my old team from when I was in WCAP prior, and of course my husband um, to get back into the program. That was difficult to try and train and get to a level that would they would accept me back into the program. So I would say that was kind of the hardest work-life balance period, but the WCAP opportunities were phenomenal and I wouldn't change it for anything. What did you decide to initially study? It sounds like you were able to get into uh, GPS and satellite work while you were there. Was that always the uh, focus of your studies or how, how exactly does the academic selection work at the Air Force Academy? So there is a huge amount of core curriculum that you have to take. Um, so I was taking anywhere from 16 to 18 credit hours every semester. And I remember comparing that to my teammates when I was in the World Class Athlete Program because there was a lot of people who were not in the military that I trained with and they went to normal colleges. And it was just very different, our experiences, because there's a lot of engineering, there's a lot of um, STEM courses that you have to go through at the academy that are mandatory. Um, so I would say, I, even though I was a biology major, I had a lot of engineering background. So I think that's kind of how space happened, but really, when it comes to jobs, you, you put a wish list down and then you get whatever the Air Force picks. So so how did you make then the switch from the uh, your work with GPS and the satellite uh, work to, uh, to where you are now? There was a really unique thing that happened um, when the Space Force was created. Um, essentially, the job that I was in was dissolving because it wasn't going to be a part of the Air Force anymore. It was going to be a part of the Space Force. So everybody who was in the space career field in the Air Force had the choice of going into the Space Force or changing their jobs. So I chose to change jobs. Was it an immediate move to San Antonio or what was it was that was there a stop in between there? Um, that was only a year and a half ago. So it's funny, join the military, see the world, which I did through running, but in terms of my home base, I didn't leave Colorado for 10 years. Um, so this is my first time out of Colorado and doing hospital administration. 
the so uh, what what's the type of what, describe the the work at the hospital? How big is the hospital? Is it uniquely just Air Force? And what what's a what's a typical day like for you there? So normally, I would in my career field, I would be attached to an actual hospital, but this job that I have is very unique in the sense of I work with all the trainees. So if there is a student who is trying to get into a medical career field, they train at the base that I'm at. So we just provide all the support to the students. Is the is is a is a possible uh, return for you in track uh, uh, in a, a coaching capacity in the in the future or what what where do you see uh, your any involvement with uh, with uh, track and field uh, moving forward? My husband has encouraged me to coach. Um, I've considered it. I, just haven't taken any actions on it per se. I mean, I know there's like coach up and stuff like that, um, but I haven't actually tried any of that yet. <laughs> like, is there anything that you like that you take from your years as an elite athlete? Uh, and does it like in any way kind of like translate to like what you do in your, your day, your day job? So I would say it actually, it's hindered me in a way of like, I think I attack my job like too hardcore and I need to dial back a little bit because I think it actually was causing a lot of anxiety and trying to treat work like a 24-7 thing does not, like, it's not con conducive to home life or anything like that. So I would say it's taken a big adjustment. Um, it's helped in some ways, but um, trying to not be so anxious about everyday stuff has been a ch challenge. How long is then your your term now with the Air Force? Are you going to do you stay with it until retirement, or do you then kind of move uh, out of it? Like, what's your uh, your uh, initial kind of plan for commitments uh, moving forward? I have an active duty service commitment for two more years, and then after that, I haven't really given too much thought to it. I think it just kind of depends on how our careers progress and I think if they try to station us apart again uh, might make me seriously reconsider what is going on but that is a benefit of the career field that I'm in now is there are hospitals everywhere so what is the ranking system like for you so like you start off in the air force is it as a private Second, or how, what's the, how does the ranking ascend yeah so on the officer side you start off as a second lieutenant, and then it's first lieutenant, um, and then captain, major, lieutenant colonel, and then colonel, and then the, all the stars. What would be the next rank that you would then uh, ascend to from where you are now, if that's even something that you're you're interested in? Yes, yeah, so I'm a captain. It was 
interesting. I'm actually, this is the second time I've been a captain because I lost half my time in rank when I switched careers. Um, so second time being captain, but the next one would be major, and that's actually what my husband is right now. You know, you've had such a unique experience that you you left West Chicago, you go out uh, to Colorado. What were some of your favorite things about just living in Colorado? I mean, we we know we're being Flatlanders here and DuPage and and all that. Uh, what were some of your favorite things to do? Just like when you had free time. I know you probably didn't have a lot of free time as a you know is a, a with all your commitments to track. But what was some of the the finer qualities about being out in uh, Colorado? I love the mountains. I love hiking. So all the trails and roads that go through the mountain are my favorite. And then got into snowboarding. Um, so that has been like a hobby. Yeah. I, I ask this question uh, a lot because I'm always interested in getting into the mind of students who have gone on to these incredible careers and they found, if they find ways to like, um, study differently than than others and you know you really kind of piqued my interest when you said that you know in the middle of you being uh training and you would have this incredible workload with you know sometimes 17 to 19 hours of credit hours that you'd have to get through a semester what was like one of your greatest study um habits or hacks that you use that really kind of either allowed you to manage your time better or just kind of see your work uh, in a way that you could really uh, just, again, tackle uh, the challenge of that uh, as, as you're uh, working through, a, a, you know, an incredibly um, intense period of time while you were uh, at school. Yes. So that is what we joke about at the Academy is they purposely throw too much at you so you can learn how to time manage. Um, so I would say prioritizing would be number one and then getting my mind in the right frame to be able to focus. So I would listen to like lyricless music, like liquid mind type things just to try and get in the zone. And then, um, well, I would say nowadays one note is like my best friend. Um, but yeah, just trying to be organized with notes and, breaking stuff up into manageable pieces. Now, I, I have to ask for, for selfish reasons. My son runs cross country and he's also in, in track. What are some of your, your best kind of like, um, like in the zone mind ways to prepare your mind uh, for uh, a, a meet? So at the end, I would do a lot of visualization and I would walk myself through, like, for the 800, every step of the race and just think about what usually happens at certain points in the track and just positive things I can say to myself and make sure that if anything negative happens, that it's just kind of a in and out type thing with the brain and not letting anything negative stick because at the end the hardest part I mean I was having the workouts of my life but struggling in races um, so I went to 
a sports, I mean, I had seen a sports psychologist for a while, um, but there was one at the end when I actually got to San Antonio where, yeah, she just really helped me stay positive because I did not realize like how negative I had gotten um, in terms of races because I would tell her what would go through my mind during a race and she was just like, yeah, that, that should never happen in a race. Like you shouldn't be thinking about those types of things. You just need to think positive. And I just, uh, kind of another kind of follow-up question about just the air force Academy. Um, what would you, I mean, I mean, you've had a a, a very fulfilling career. They've given you some, uh, some opportunities here, but like for someone who wants to join uh, the armed forces uh, in such a way, what would, what would you say are some of the best uh, kind of, qualities or things that one needs to know uh, as they're heading into uh, choosing the armed forces? It takes a lot of like humility in a sense, because with the rank structure, I mean, you can have people who are terrible leaders and you just have to follow them based on rank. And so I think it just takes, you just kind of got to swallow, you know, pill sometimes and just get through it. Um, but I think the, the most bonding part of the military is the people that you work with. I mean, that was the case when I was running, like it was my teammates or when I'm working, it's the people that I work with that it turns into a bonding experience. So I would say as long as you can, um, uh, shut up in color. Um, you can, you can get through a lot of things. Are there any like books or, um, maybe, uh, that, or, or reading or material that you think is probably been uh, really a great supplement either, you know, in terms of being a better, uh, 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 athlete or anything else that kind of helped you with your career in the military? Is, is there anything that you think is like a really good, solid recommendation of like uh, other uh, reading material or viewing or listening material? So hands down, Legacy by James Kerr. And it's all about the All Blacks team, which is the um, professional rugby team in New Zealand. And learned so much about leadership sports and just phenomenal leadership book. And then and add one more because this was life changing at the end of my running career was it was 10 steps to overcoming a slump in sports. And I wish that I would have read it a lot earlier than I did. Um, but that was sports wise. That was the best book. Yeah, I, I like that idea of the, uh, the the rugby team, the All Blacks. I mean, the, I mean, I think everyone knows them from, of course, their their uh, wonderful haka uh, dance that they perform prior. So it's it's always great, but it's nice that there's such an interesting kind of um, leadership structure underneath that. So um, it's what it takes okay. to keep performing well over and over and over. So, and that. You've been so generous with your time uh, tonight, and I was wondering, uh, you've given lots of advice already, but for current Wildcats, what tips for success would you offer them? Just keep applying. Even if you think that it's too much, like, you never know with 
colleges, like shoot for the stars. And I mean, if you would have told me that I would have gotten into the Air Force Academy when I was a freshman, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, so just never be afraid to put yourself out there and talk to people at the university. I mean, in my case, it was coaches, but just get out there. That's great. Annette, thank you so much uh, for your time tonight and best of luck uh, moving forward uh, with all that you do. And thank you for your service. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Help spread the word about We Go Places podcast by sharing this episode with one other wildcat. As always, find past and future episodes on Apple or Google Podcasts or any other platform. Just search Wego Vox. That's Wego V O X. You can also stay current by following us on Facebook at Wego Places Podcast or on Twitter at Wego Places.